Welcome to the Thought Leadership Podcast, where we share insights on how you can become the go-to thought leader in your niche. Your host, Alejandro Sanoja, founder and personal branding consultant at Latin Perceptors. And today, our guest is Carol Kemmerer. Carol was named one of the top six top personal branding experts in 2022 by the American Reporter. The second edition of her book, LinkedIn for the Savvy Executive, published last year, received Book Authority's Best LinkedIn Books of All Time Award and has been chosen by the C-Suite Network as one of the top 100 plus best business books. In addition to her one-on-one executive branding work with C-Suite leaders, Carol is a popular speaker and member of the National Speakers Association. Carol, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. And one of the things I wanted to start with is how can executive make a transition from the physical world to the digital world? Because I see a lot of experts out there and, and I can only have some ideas about it. But my thinking is that they think, oh, I already have a reputation. I've built a career. I don't really understand this digital world and I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to damage my reputation. I already, I, I'm doing great. My career is great and I don't want to take risks. But of course, on the other side of that risks are opportunities to, yes. to reach more people and, and, and accomplish many different things. So I wanted to get, I know you are expert on this particular yes. topic. So I wanted to get your take what is it that you usually see that prevents executives from making that transition from being a known expert in the physical world to doing the same in the digital world? Okay, so what is the pain point? Why do they, why do, they do that? Um, why do they want to have an online brand? So there are many, many reasons. If they are, for instance, a business owner and they're trying to do business with a much larger organization, they are aware that people from that organization are looking at their LinkedIn profiles. You know, everybody's got a profile, whether they've done much with it or not. You know, they they probably have a profile. And when you start to see, oh my gosh, people are looking at my profile and they're making judgments about who I am and it's not up to date and it's not who I am and I haven't done anything. That's a moment when they say, oh my, I need help. Um, another moment might be um, my company is a target for acquisition and I want to make sure that I am in the best position and that all my other C-suite executives are in the best position to represent themselves so that we might have some possibility of um, positions in the new organization or if we decide to um, leave of our own accord, we'll all have a good launching point because we've, we've talked about our brand in a way that is already attractive. Mm-hmm. So um, those are two reasons. Another reason is um, the company's already um, 
decided that they've got to cut off a part of the company because they need to increase their re return on investment and they decide to um, eliminate a whole division, mm -hmm. that executive is on the wrong side of the door now. And they know, and rightly so, that if they don't have an online brand, they have no possibility of being found um, for those next positions. And so that's why it's so important. And, you know, each of these has its own pain point. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you realize somebody's looking and you never really thought about that before, but people are looking and they're making first impressions. And because LinkedIn is a search engine, if it's not finding you because you have such a skeletal profile, that's a bad deal too. So if you um, specifically are looking for new clients, new customers, new situations, it's important to have an online brand. And it's, it's scary if you haven't done it before to take it on your own. That is true. And I think a lot of what happens is that they see the big people doing it, right? There's this idea that, okay, celebrities build a personal brand, known leaders build a personal brand, and the way they do it might not be what you feel comfortable with, right? Like there's people that share everything they're doing all the time, and it's almost like a oh. reality TV show. <laughs> and, and that's just one way, right? Like if you look at the different ways to do it, there's people who show their family and everything like Grant Cardone and they, they put their kids and, and they do videos. There's other people that show everything about their life, but their family, Gary Vaynerchuk, he doesn't show anything. And then there's other experts like Ray Dalio and, and Jordan Peterson, more on the academic side that they just show their expertise. You right. don't see anything about their personal lives or anything. It's just like, here's what I'm an expert on. And right. if you want to consume this content. Uh, so I think that's that's a big misconception that there's one way. No, there's several ways to, to build a personal brand. And I wanted to go deeper into that because you have a great line that says, make LinkedIn understandable. So could you please share with us what are some of those biggest misconceptions that you see when people are new to the game? They um, either they find themselves on the on the wrong side of the door or for the reasons that you mentioned, they decide, okay, I'm actually going to do it. What do you see them struggling with at the beginning? One of the misconceptions is that our profiles should look just like everyone else's profile. And especially at the C-suite level, that is a horrible idea because most C-suite executives have skeletal LinkedIn profiles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely very, very little on there. Um, they have their job titles uh, going back to when they got their MBA. They've got um, their, their school and um, they've got something about their current position and very little else. Of course, they have a great picture because, you know, if you're working for a corporation, um, your marketing people wouldn't let you get by without having a great picture. Um, and they might even have a company banner and that's great. But if you're trying to emulate a CEO that has a skeletal profile, it's not going to advantage you because LinkedIn is a search engine and search engines 
eat keywords for breakfast. That's how we feed a search engine. If you have a skeletal profile, that is you have very little text, there's nothing to find you. There's nothing mm -hmm. to distinguish you. Um, besides not being found um, by the search engine, when um, somebody that might want to work for you looks at your profile, they're not attracted. So um, in this day of the great resignation, my goodness, we are having a whole new audience that is looking for the leader that they want to work for next. Mm -hmm. We have um, so many people out there actively willing to sign up anywhere else with any better leader than they currently are having. <laughs> and if you are a great leader, but you don't have a great profile and it doesn't show how you lead and um, how you lead with passion and purpose and what your principles are, why would I want to come work with you? And so um, those are, those are some of the reasons that you would want to have a great profile and I forgot your base question. I think. <laughs> I I think it was about that, right? Like, what are some of the the, the misconceptions? Uh, but uh, there's so many ways we could go with that. I oh yes, I, I like what you mentioned about the skeletal profile because one of the biggest mistakes that I see people do. You mentioned the banner. You mentioned the headline. Um, a lot of people just list their job, and it's like it's such a valuable real estate. It is. It, it, it follows you everywhere. But I see a, a, a big mistake that people do is that they can they can create a, a company page because a lot mm -hmm. of people just, let's say they are that executive that they were a company. Now they're doing consulting on something on their own. They go and list it, but it doesn't look professional because they didn't create the company page, right? And it looks like a like a random banner there. Yes. You know, what I say to those friends of mine who have consulting businesses or even who have a, um, a new manufacturing business that's just, you know, they just started it and they haven't, um, they haven't been in the digital age long enough to know that when you have no logo for your company, a company for which you are responsible on your LinkedIn profile, you look like you have a hobby instead of a business. It is a huge, huge gaffe to um, miss that piece of eminence, personal eminence of that logo. Another thing that I see all the time is somebody um, who misspells the name or gets the name wrong of a company they used to work for and you know may have changed names and they get no logo it's mm -hmm. like um it's really important to spell proctor and gamble correctly mm -hmm. in order to get the logo um with schools that happens um i was looking at a senior exec's profile and he went to pepperdine Fabulous. Pepperdine's a big school. You would think when no logo showed up that he would think about why does Pepperdine not have a logo on LinkedIn? 
<laughs> well, it's because he didn't use enough P's in the word. And, um, you know, I looked it up just to make sure before I talked to him about it. And, um, yeah, he just misspelled it, like I thought. <laughs> so um, that notion of having all of the eminence that we, um, we're due, you know, we work for a company, it should have a logo. And, you know, when people say to me, well, I don't want to create a company page and get that logo, because then I'll have one more thing to post on, and I, I don't want to do that. And I, I say to them, no, no, um, you don't have to post all that often. And it's so important that the logo appear on your profile. Yeah, and it, it's such a, an easy fix. Um, it is. And I understand, like I've learned um, as, as we grow and learn, we understand that there's many different ways to do things, right? So I used to see profiles that did not have a lot. And I would say, how is this person um, having success in the professional world? And then you understand there's, there's just many ways to do it, right? Like you might never ever logged into LinkedIn and you can have a successful business just doing everything in the physical world. But I think it's a, it's a good point that if you want to make that transition, you have to play by the rules of the game. So yes. paying attention to, to those little details matter. And, and I want to go back to something you mentioned, Carol, that is that executive that has all their jobs going back to their MBA would there be a point, like what would be your recommended point or stage in someone's career to stop listing some of their professional experience? At what point it's better? Um, I remember, I don't remember. It's less more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that I um, use as, as a guideline is that we need at least 15 years of your experience showing but there is some advantage to listing some things that were long ago and far away um, because sometimes, um, you know, they're, they're high up now, they're the chief operating officer, but really it connects with people to know that they started, um, you know, in the machinery room. Um, they started and then, then they were advanced to the person who's in charge of the whole operation um, of, of the assembly line. And then, you know, they, they grew. So when I find that some of those things are important, but we don't want to telegraph exactly how old is this person. Mm -hmm. And with each job that you enter, you have to have uh, dates. And so um, sometimes I put it in the, the about section, you know, starting um, from early days in, uh, you know, in the assembly line or whatever, I grew my technical expertise and then got my MBA and, you know, climbed the corporate ladder. So um, another thing that happens often is that you've got way back in your history, 
two or three heavy hitter companies that mm. really would be important to name drop. But you don't have to put them in your chronology if they're long ago and far away. You can, um, you can name them in your about section. Or another thing that I do is um, uh, I will give a listing that says um, positions prior to 2000, blah, 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 or, you know, um, prior to 1997 or whenever you stopped um, writing your chronology. And then um, the notion that, um, you know, you can list those randomly without, um, without a whole lot of um, whoopla, but you get the name of the company in there. And when someone is looking for a top level executive, sometimes they're looking for people who have Fortune 500 experience, for instance, or they're looking for people who, who do have that connection to the, um, the common person who's working in the factory. And those things can be important. So, you know, sometimes I just, drop them in and we don't list them as as an experience per se but we get their name in there and what uh what they did yeah that's a great point to to take them out but still put them in the about yeah because um and this is something you can do you can look at your profile and search terms and you can see what you're appearing for but it's super valuable yes. because as you're mentioning something's they look for people with experience in a certain company like X Deloitte or X something. Right. And if you take it out, you're not showing up, but if you put oh, it in the yeah. about, that's, yes. a, that's a great insight. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Carol, let's say you have this executive, they are on the wrong side of the door. Yes. What should their 90 day plan look like? if they want to be found on LinkedIn, if they want opportunities to come to them on LinkedIn, what would your recommendation be for that 90-day plan? Okay. I would say they need to have at least three weeks beyond their um, um, termination date to rest. Mm. Really, it is very, very hard to work with someone who has just been shown the door. I, I suggest to people who call me right away, you know, on the day after they are terminated, let, let us begin in three weeks. Mm. And one of the things that you cannot do is work with someone on identifying their stellar points when they are so wounded. It's very seldom that somebody can come away from finding that they've been terminated and just dive right in and talk about their greatness. We need a little healing time. But then, um, you know, when, when we're ready to work and, and, I usually think that three weeks is, you know, a, a safe time to begin. Um, and, and I can tell on the phone if it's going to be a safe time. If they cannot stop talking about 
with vitriol about the experience, then they're not ready to work. They're not ready to interview. They will, um, they will cut themselves off at the knees in any interview. They are just not ready to be out there. When we can put in perspective, well, this kind of thing happens to a lot of people and the company needed to um, reduce overall costs and I was um, someone that they could reduce significant, um, you know, by, by uh, reducing my salary to zero. Um, when you can put it in perspective, then you're ready to work with someone on developing your online brand on LinkedIn for the purposes of a job search. I really don't like to work with somebody sooner than that. Um, so the other thing, I work very quickly with someone. Um, I, I have two two-hour meetings and in between, um, while they are hopefully resting, I am writing my heart out, you know, trying to get um, text that um, fills the space, you know, I write to the margins because when we write a lot about what we love, our keywords will spill out and do the job for us of helping us be found. So I'm writing and then we get back together in a week and we wrap it up um, because I know that when somebody's ready, they want that profile now. But, you know, it does take some time to um, bring all the pieces together and to make the beautiful picture that will be effective for them. So um, within the first month, you've had three weeks of resting and one week of working um, on their LinkedIn profile with a professional. Um, beyond that, um, I uh, recommend a, a heavy dose of um, using LinkedIn to um, connect again, reconnect with friends that you have known across the years, letting them know what's happened, setting up, um, you know, virtual coffee or in-person coffee if the time is right, um, or you're in the same time zone that could possibly do that. Yeah. Um, and um, networking is just huge. I also recommend that um, they have a plan for um, actively showing up on the platform every day. So one of the things is when you have been um, removed from your job, you are not anywhere. No one sees you. You are sitting in your home office being isolated and scared. When you engage on LinkedIn, you show, yes, she's still out there or he's still out there. Um, yes, still a subject matter expert. Um, yes, still friendly. Oh, I remember when we were working together at such and such company a couple of years ago. That was a friendly person who always knew X, Y, Z. So, um, I recommend that they comment on other people's stuff. I recommend that they um, begin to post their own material, that they post um, articles that are on brand for them, 
And I give them, you know, strategies for finding those on-brand articles Mm -hmm. um, so that they'll have something. I give them strategies for how do you quickly um, write a little blurb about the article that you're going to post to make it appealing for people to open. Um, And, you know, working with them and their personality, we figure out what it is that they're going to be able to do. And the notion is that they need to see people or talk to people every day, and they need to do it um, not only in person or online um, through Zoom, but also online through LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. um, so that they actually are top of mind. You've seen them recently, you know, in whatever um, media you you know, you happen to be looking, um, you are encountering them. And that's so important to find those hidden jobs, spending all your time on um, Indeed uh, and Job Master, uh, Job Monster, Monster, I guess it's called. Um, Anyway, that's not where my clients need to hang out. Um, My clients need to be calling their connections. And um, Many times the position is created for the person. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's um, it's important to realize that those senior level positions are hardly ever posted on Indeed and Monster. <laughs> Do you find, Carol, when people are, are going through that transition and putting those efforts into the digital presence, that is with the goal of finding another job or is it with the goal of starting their own entrepreneurial activity? Oh, you know, both are possibilities. Um, it, um, I can't say, you know, um, because uh, some people are testing during that period. Can they make it as a consultant? Can they make it um, as an entrepreneur? And, you know, they'll put their toe in the water and see if they get some traction. Um, Either way, they need the support of people that have been friendly to them in their lives in the past. One of the things that happens to almost all of us is that when we are working and the job is demanding a lot of us, We've got our nose in our computer and we are not paying attention to all those people that we've known all over, you know, all mm-hmm. throughout time. And this is, this is definitely a time where people are needing to reconnect. Now, Carol, let's say, I know you, you have several different offerings on how to help people. And let's say one of those executives was making a transition and they were thinking, no, I want to go through the entrepreneurial route. I want to build my personal brand and my presence on LinkedIn to create my own business. If they had to pick between speaking, digital courses, or coaching, what would you recommend them to put their focus on first out of those three offerings? Speaking, tell me again. Speaking, digital courses, and coaching. I know you offered you offered some versions of those through LinkedIn and through your your website, 
So I wanted to get your thoughts on what would you recommend someone who is starting if they wanted to build some type of revenue stream? Yeah. Okay. So um, I think um, uh, doing coaching, um, offering your wisdom is something that they are likely to be able to do without a lot of extra, you know, learning. And um, when you are going out on your own for the first time, it's wonderful to be able to use your native gifts as opposed to trying to, you know, all of a sudden become a speaker. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not going to work. So, um, you know, doing some kind of coaching is uh, a great, great way to to start. Um, And I think an awful lot of people in their first year out of, you know, corporate life, Um, find that friends are um, creating opportunities for that. Um, What I found um, years and years ago was that the first year, um, most of the people that are your clients are people that you already knew. Mm -hmm. And by the second year, you should be getting traction with people that you never met before. Um, if you're not, then it's, um, you know, it's time to look inside again, because it's not working for you. And then uh, I know you, you speak a lot about this, you, you have it everywhere on your website, and you're an experienced speaker, not only you focus on the coaching component, but you also speak about these topics. If there was somebody out there, let's say they're already a good speaker but they are not maximizing that in terms of revenue. What would you recommend that person who is an expert, who is transitioning? They are good speakers, but they've never turned that into a revenue stream. What would be the first steps for them to be able to do so? Okay. Um, I would say they need to be, um, they need to have, um, a speaker one sheet, which is something that most people that are going to book speakers are going to expect. It, you know, it's it's a little one page brochure, usually two sides, and it's it, it tells what your subject matter expertise is, and perhaps has some um, testimonials from people in the audience, and perhaps you have a list of places where you've spoken before or a list of publications, you know, if you were a scientific kind of a speaker, um, something that demonstrates that you have subject matter expertise. Um, And then you need to send it to somebody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not enough to to work with a designer to get um, a pretty brochure about yourself. Um, Then you have to send it someplace. And um, make it um, apparent to people that this is one part of your income stream. Um, I also recommend joining the National Speakers Association. Now, I know you do this on your profile, but what would be your recommendation in terms of being found for that as well, right? You, you have your, your keywords and topics that we wanna be found for. But then you also, we want to found for, for speaking engagements. Are there any special steps 
that you will recommend people do on their profile so that those opportunities also come to them? Yes. Okay. So um, if you were to look under words, um, I did this once for a presentation that I was making for to my local chapter of the National Speakers Association. I looked at words that you could use to describe your speaking. And there were like 42 words, you know, motivational speaker, um, mm -hmm. uh, workshops, you, you know, facilitator, lots of words associated with that. You need to pick what it is you want to say. Um, professional speaker um, is, is a good thing to say because it does telegraph that you are not somebody who uh, de developed this casually on the side. You know, this is, this is like a big deal to you. Um, so, um, and it has been recommended to me also that if you really want it to um, be a major part of your business, it should pay, say paid professional speaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can put that in your headline, you can put it in your about section, um, you can have a separate section, um, you know, it's not just one job that we have to have, we can divide our job into multiple sections, um, I think I've got my, mine mostly listed as one, and then I've got my um, author kind of separately because I wanted to showcase my books, but um, you could have one for speaker, one for coach, one for author um, at all at the same time. LinkedIn doesn't care how many things you do. And each time you list it, it's a keyword. So um, find out what kind of speaking you want to do and make sure that you have um, looked very carefully at the skills list at all the words that might apply and make sure also that you have them listed in your skills. Mm -hmm. We have, yeah, I want to, yeah, 50 I want to definitely go ahead, go ahead. Oh, just, we have the ability to list 50 skills and we should make them count. Yeah, I want to go deeper into, into that. I also want to go into, because you mentioned the paid component, it's important. And I remember, um, I don't remember who was doing it at the time, but I, I thought it was a good strategy to have a form. And then you have a question, because I when I started, I would go anywhere and speak because I just had fun and, and it was interesting to share mm -hmm. your knowledge with other people. Then I started doing some guest lectures. And at some point, it just, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> and, and to really craft a message for that particular audience. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember which book, but they have a really good way of, instead of kind of like saying no to the opportunity, you just have it on your form where there's a question location, date of the speaking engagement, et cetera. And then we hire speakers in the range of, and then you put several ranges, right? So it's not you don't want to make it just about money, but you do want to say, hey, yeah. this is actually something that I do for a living. But I want to go, I want to go deeper into the skills. I have some, some dark stories about that. Maybe we can make time for that. But I wanted to get your thoughts on how can people maximize that skill section? Like so it's important for your profile to show up for the topics you want to be known for. And then it's important not only to list them, but to get endorsements. 
So any any mm -hmm. strategies and tactics on how to maximize that section of your profile? Okay. So at the beginning of every consultation, I have um, three big branding questions and um, they all kind of work together. So I'll just share them with you and your audience. The first is, what are the three things you want to be known for? Hmm. The second is, what are your what are your differentiators? What are your superpowers or the people, the things that people come to you for every time? Um, and then the last is, what are your keywords? And before we even get to the skills section, I will sit there with a piece of paper and write down what they say their keywords are. And, you know, I'll listen to their keywords and I'll say, but, um, you know, how about regulatory is, you know, it's like I've heard some of what they do. And I know a lot about careers and um, having worked with an awful lot of people. Um, and so I'll say, okay, you know, this is an area. How about this? How about that? Um, and then um, the other thing that I do in that just exploratory thing, before we even get to the skills inventory, um, I say to them, um, tell me about your soft or essential skills. Mm. Those skills that have to do with people interaction and problem solving and um, communication. Let's talk about those. And, you know, we have a whole list there. Then we go to the skills and I say, okay, you know, when we were talking about our keywords, um, some of these things don't seem to, um, be on your list. And some of the things that are on your list seem to be things that you probably delegate two levels down. Um, let's take off the, the ones that you don't need. So, you know, we X a bunch. And I say, okay, now we have time or now we have room to put in um, 20 of the good words that we, you know, we talked about and we will look for that. I always, you know, there are always some keywords that are more key than others, you know, so mm -hmm. say you've got about five things that you want to make sure you really get in. This person is absolutely strategic. So um, one of the things that's happened in, in the LinkedIn skills inventory is that um, it's gotten much deeper so mm -hmm. that, you know, 15 years ago, we might have picked leadership and been satisfied. Now there are 15 different flavors of leadership. And the more specific we are, the more we get um, double credit almost, because instead of just leadership, we've got technical leadership or clinical leadership or cross-functional team leadership. That one has cross-functional team and leadership. And each one of those is a key word. So we've got, for one skill, we've got three key words that are operating for us. Um, if strategy is a big thing, we look under strategy and we pick as many as um, are really hit the nail on the head. And then we go to the others. And when we see some that are so good that we don't leave them 
on the table and not put them in, we say, okay, now we have to go back and take some more of your skills out. So we have room for the good ones. And um, my, my suggestion to people is that they not fret over the endorsements they're going to lose by cutting out an old skill mm-hmm. that it is more powerful to have a skill that really fits them well and that describes what it is that they love to do than some skill that really doesn't fit them. For instance, if you're working with the national sales manager and they have their um, on their skills list sales, well, yes, they know about sales, but so does the guy who sells pizza coupons to me at the door. They know about motivating sales teams. Mm-hmm. They know about, um, you know, um, national account management. They know bigger things. And so um, we spend 30, um, 45 minutes to an hour going through that exercise, sometimes even longer, because it is so exciting to see in our first session how we can up-level someone's skills. Um, and, and they get excited about, oh my gosh, you know, this sounds like me. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden they see that I've heard them you know, that listening session that I did um, to hear them talk about their brand, I heard them and we are actualizing it in that skills section right in the first meeting. So um, it's very powerful. I, I love doing that skills exercise. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought about it that way. Something that we do to, to pick, because sometimes you have to pick, right? And it's difficult. You might have several is to run the keywords through SEO tools mm-hmm. because then you can quantify the value of each. There's a lot of SEO tools that would tell you they kind of like reverse engineer the value of having traffic mm-hmm. for a particular keyword, depending on the traffic that the keyword gets, the difficulty and the value, and especially the intent behind the keyword, right? Because you could have yes. some intent that it's to purchase or to hire someone. Mm-hmm. Um, like LinkedIn coach or LinkedIn coach packages would probably be more valuable than just what does a LinkedIn coach do? Because somebody who's searching for that packages is closer to making that decision. So that might be something else that, that people can do to, to pick the keywords. And now, do you have any recommendations on, on how to get those endorsements? Because I, I, I don't remember in which book I read it, but it was great. It's a methodology that I've been using for a while that it was to ask people that, you know, people in your network to endorse you for whatever they feel comfortable with. Right. And it was a super mindful script that you would personalize the first part. So it's not just copy and paste. And, and then you, you do it with people that you have a connection, a closer connection than just a LinkedIn connection, right? You, you've gone to school with them, you've worked with them. They know you, they trust you. But what happened was that I did it so repeatedly that the algorithm thought I was using a bot. So oh. I, I actually got banned from LinkedIn temporarily for several times. And I thought I was going to be exiled for a while. They told me you were banned oh. from LinkedIn because of 
um, non-compliance uh, non with the sure. guidelines because mm -hmm. they thought I was using a bot. I send all those messages. I got all those profile views, which to them was an unusually large amount because all those people right. came from my profile and they endorsed me because they were people that knew me. So um, at first they thought it was a bot and I got denied. So um, I wanted to preface the question with, with that story because I wanted to get your thoughts on what's your typical recommendation for people that wanna, okay, I, I decided to eliminate this one. It had a lot of endorsements. Now with this new one, that it speaks more to what I'm actually doing to my expertise, but I have zero endorsements. Where do I go from there? Okay. Um, there's one other element that I need to um, talk about, about skills before I get to that question. And that is that um, currently the top three skills are the most important. Mm -hmm. They are, um, we think that they get extra weight in the algorithm. And so um, often I've left my clients with three new skills in the top three spaces, none of which are endorsed. And, um, you know, so that's, that's hard to deal with. <laughs> so um, I have never run into anyone who has been so, um, faithful as to um, execute as you did, you know, almost machine-like. <laughs> but I do suggest to people that they, um, that they mention when they are um, with someone or in a networking thing, hey, we just redid my LinkedIn profile, my, my consultant and I, and you know, I'm really excited about the the top um, endorsements or the top skills that I have in my um, profile now. But I have a problem and they're not endorsed. Could you um, give me an endorsement if you're comfortable? And, you know, that I've never had anybody be as um, effective as you were, but... Um, you know, I do suggest that they uh, try to reach out for endorsements. And one of the things that I usually do is endorse them, you know, mm -hmm. right after you've given them so that um, they've got, at least got one uh, going there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It worked and I got the endorsements because it was all people I trusted. And, and I think that's what helped. I think when they, I think what happens is that there's an algorithm that sees these interactions and it automatically does the, um, the shadow bans or how they call it. And then if it happens several times, they just ban you. Mm -hmm. And what happened, I think, is that somebody then, because what I was asking when I was sending my request, is like, hey, look at the interactions so that you can see it's actual people and I got the endorsements. So they probably went through then manually through the messages and they saw, hey, this is, this is actually people that came and endorsed because I, I did uh, increase a lot of those, the endorsements for those skills. So it, it does help. Yeah. I would say, yeah, do it um, instead of. Gently. Yeah, I hustle and I go in, I'm obsessive with the things that I do. So I just did a bunch in a week. I would say pace yourself and maybe pick different days oh. so that so that you don't you don't flag the algorithm. Yes. So that you, know, you don't get banned. Another thing about endorsements, I used to get um, people who would connect with me 
endorse 50 skills and then say, I just endorsed your 50 skills. Now you do mine. And I would have to say to them, you know, that isn't the way that I play the game. Um, we don't know each other. And so um, in thanks, I will go to your profile. I will read it. And the top three skills that come to my mind when I read your profile, I will endorse three skills. And to this day, I recommend that when someone is endorsing skills, that they endorse only three at a time. And the reason is that it is a very special um, nurturing tool. And you don't want to use all of your nurturing um, times at once. You want to, you know, um, endorse them for three. And then the next time you need a little interaction, you endorse them for three more. Um, and so it's, it's kind of the, like the little drip campaign. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the notion of having someone just endorse all skills, I think is, is fairly ridiculous. Um, yeah. And I think LinkedIn is getting smarter about that because it usually goes that an algorithm is created, somebody figures it out and they game the system and then it evolves. And that's, right. that's how it happens because now they ask you to say the level of skill in which you would value that person right. and, then and how and is it that you know? Yes, yes, absolutely. So then it's like, okay, do you work with them? How is it that you know that, yes. that this person is skilled at this? So yeah, definitely um, be mindful of using your endorsements as well because then yes. the algorithm might tag you as not valuable if you just endorse everyone yes. out there. Now, Carol, we've talked about many different things. We've talked about speaking. We've talked about LinkedIn and optimizing in many different topics. But I wanted to get your take on this question that some people dread, some people love. <laughs> and it's a question. When people ask you, what do you do? What is your typical answer? Well, I usually say something like this. Alejandro... I know that you are looking for new clients all the time. Do you ever get nervous when you see that potential clients are looking at your profile? Are you ever concerned at who's looking and what they're seeing? If you have, I'm the answer to that problem. I work with senior level executives to tee up the conversation. And I do that through personal branding on LinkedIn so that you can attract right for you opportunities, increase your visibility and influence and control your careers. So that's what I, I love do. it. I love it when people have a, a preface, a, a good story to hook people in because it shows that you're you're mindful about who you're telling that, right? Like you're right. Not, you're not just pitch slapping your your thirty second pitch on someone. You're yeah. really thinking about how is it that that can be memorable and help them. Now, Carol, for for anyone out there listening and they're curious about 
everything we've, we've spoken about, who is that person that can make the most out of the services you offer? We've talked about LinkedIn, optimizing, and being sure that your presence there reflects who you are a professional, but I'm sure there's someone, uh, a particular persona or person uh, that can make the most out of what you offer and oh. make the most ROI of that. Who is that person? Okay. So for me, that person is um, a senior level executive who is looking for a new opportunity, whether they're on the wrong side of the door, as we talked about, or whether they're still inside, or whether the new opportunity is actually within the company and they are looking to make it possible for their company to do business with a bigger something than, they, that they've ever, than they've ever done before. And they need a bigger presence. So any of the pain points, but um, someone who is um, fearful that their job may be pulled out from under them because of a merger, those those are those are my people. My people are over 50. My people are experts in what they do. They're their sharpest crayons in the box. They are um, people who shine really brightly in the room. Mm -hmm. I make them shine that brightly on this platform. That sounds great. Now, Carol, we, I, I'm sure we could spend hours and hours talking about executive branding and LinkedIn and personal branding because we love those topics, but I want to be mindful of your time. Are there any parting thoughts, any call to actions that you would like to share with the audience? Well, I would like to recommend my book. So this is my book, LinkedIn for the Savvy Executive. It's available in its second edition since last year, so it's very current. Um, it won Book Authority's Best LinkedIn Books of All Time Award, and just this month, it's been named one of the 100 best business books by the C-Suite Network. So it's a great book. You can, of course, get it on Amazon, but if you would like to get um, an author-inscribed copy, I would be so delighted to send you one from my website. I'd love you to go to my website. Anyway, it's um, https colon slash slash Carol Kemmerer, all one word, dot com. And um, on my website, you will see um, my book, which goes well beyond um, just how to how to put together a great profile and talks about the strategy that um, we can use with this most important business tool. Um, how do we carry our brand forward on a digital platform? It's it's got a lot of endorsements and it is um, it really is a book for all time. <laughs> it's great. Um, I also have a course for people who want to do it themselves. Um, it is a course on developing um, your 
online brand online, you know, your, your LinkedIn profile. Um, and then also you can um, inquire about my one-on-one services. Well, thank you very much, Carol. We'll make sure to link to all of those in the show notes and in the, in the podcast page. We appreciate your time and, and sharing your insights with the audience. And for anybody out there listening to the episodes, thanks for being with us and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. What a pleasure.